Private Lender Podcast, Episode 12. The Private Lender Podcast quote of the day comes to us from Robert Kiyosaki, who said, It's easier to stand on the sidelines, criticize, and say you shouldn't do something. The sidelines are crowded. Get in the game. This is the Private Lender Podcast, the show that shares practical advice and know-how for new and seasoned lenders, from private mortgages on single-family houses to joint ventures on commercial projects and beyond. Discover details about investment vehicles that you won't find at your local bank or online broker. Listen and learn from private lenders and real estate investors, as well as from professionals and entrepreneurs, as they share the details, strategies, and the insight that allows for successful and prosperous lending. Now, get ready to increase your ROI. Here's your host, Keith Baker. Welcome, everybody, to the Private Lender Podcast. I'm Keith Baker, and this is show number 12, a solo cast today. So today we're going to talk about comps. I got a question emailed to me through the website about an analyzing comps on flips versus rentals. So that'll be the topic of the, of the show today. But before we get into it, first I'd like to go ahead and thank our sponsors private lender podcast is proudly sponsored by the realty investment club of houston also known as the rich club the rich club offers resources to anyone who is serious about growing their real estate investment expertise their membership includes full-time and part-time investors beginners real estate brokers and agents attorneys accountants property managers contractors and renovation specialists just to name a few the membership also contains people just like you who want to earn better returns on their realty investments starting today for more information, go to richclub.org. That's R-I-C-H-C-L-U-B dot org. And the Private Lender Podcast is also sponsored by 713 Area Real Estate Networking Meetup, hosted by Ray Sasser and Landon Rothstein. This meetup meets the second Wednesday of every month at the Holiday Inn Express and Suites at 125 Airtex at Interstate 45 North. For more information, go to privatelenderpodcast.com slash sponsors and click the link to learn more. Now back to the show. So a listener sent in an email via the website the other day and asked, as a lender, do I analyze comps or comparable sales for a rental differently than a flip when determining the after repaired value or the ARV? And the answer is yes and no. <laughs> Not to be confusing, but the process is the same. Uh, as you need to have some, a few things in order. You need to know what the exit strategy is going to be or your preferred exit strategy, but then also have a plan B and a plan C. So if you're loaning on somebody to somebody who's going to be a landlord, if I'm loaning to somebody who's flipping a house, I'm going to look as the preferred exit strategy, obviously, is a retail sale. For a retail sale, the condition needs to sparkle for a quick sale to, to an end buyer, a conventional mortgage borrower. However, let's say exit strategy B is to turn it into a rental. If it doesn't sell, let's say something catastrophic happens and the housing market just tightens up for three or six months and nothing is moving, then your exit strategy needs to see what is that property going to cash flow. Now, as a lender loaning money on a flip, I don't want to hold a property. If I have to foreclose, I want to get rid of it quickly. So if that's the case, I would most likely want to sell it to another landlord Hopefully it's in a decent condition. It doesn't need much work on it or much in a way of repairs. And I can do a quick sale to a landlord. So when I, I do value, or when I'm looking at comps, I will look for a smaller or lower loan-to-value LTV on something that is a rental because for a quick sale to occur, it's going to have to be to another investor. And 
Uh, if you can find someone who will pay near retail prices, good on you, or maybe shame on you. But as far as mitigating risk and when I'm underwriting, I want to look and see what can I get rid of or how fast could I get rid of that house. And if that means going to another investor, I'm going to have to price my risk accordingly and I'm going to lower my loan to value or how much I'm going to loan against the value of that house. A follow-up question to that was where's the best way or how's, what's the best way to find the value of a home? And of course the multiple listing service, the MLS in your area is probably going to be the best, but you have to be a, either a broker or a realtor to have access to that or work for one. The second best is there are a lot of websites out there that some are free, some are paid such as Zillow, Redfin, banks like Chase Bank. I know Bank of America used to have a, a property evaluator on their website. Trulia, Realtor, Epraisal. Some of these sites you can use to try to find recent comps or try to at least get the approximate after-repaired value for whatever subject property you're looking at and some of the comps in the area. I wouldn't put my full faith and trust into those numbers, but if you do go to enough websites and get enough values and numbers, you should be able to get in a range that's going to be fairly accurate for what your ARV and what your after repaired value and what your loan to value criteria will be or should be. Uh, some of the variables that we looked for, again, was the condition. Does it have wallpaper? Does it have low ceilings and few windows? Was it built in the 70s? Or was it built in the 90s or the early part of this century? What is being sold around that subject property within about half a mile. I like to go half a mile or less just to try to keep the comps comparable. But in some cases, you may be able to go a mile or two miles. It just depends. I like to see the square footage of a subject property and another comp within about 5% of each other. And I also look for the proximity to schools, shops, other features like public transportation, parks, other amenities, stuff like that. And this is where a lot of landlords get upset with me. But when I'm underwriting on a, on a rental or I'm thinking that the exit strategy is going to be a rental, I lower my loan to value to about 60% if possible because I want to get out. If I have to foreclose, I don't want to hold on to that house. I want to get out, sell it quickly, get my money back and put it back into play. That's one strategy. The other strategy is I could hold on to it if I wanted to and ride out whatever economic storm or you know, housing bubble or what else may be happening to cause the distress in the market. And maybe I want to write it out since I've already got the money into it. So in that case, if if it's depending on the property, if it's in a good neighborhood, good school district, then I won't be so adamant on lowering the loan to value, the LTV down to 60%. I might go up to 70, but no more than 70 without taking some type of equity in the position. And that's only if I believe in the property and believe in the process of whether it's going to be a flip or whatever the exit strategy is going to be. It's never a bad thing to, to demand the investor has skin in the game. I know private lenders a lot of times come in, we, we provide all the money, the purchase, the rehab and everything. But when you're loaning to somebody, you want to take every possible out away from them to where they're going to stay in to the game. They're going to see it through to the end. They're going to take care of their private lender. And even if they're bloodied and bruised, that lender will give another loan to them because they took care of that lender and they maintain the relationship. Even though the deal went sour, they maintain, that investor maintained the relationship with the lender, which carries a ton of weight, probably its weight in gold. So to recap, when I value or analyze the comps on a flip exit strategy, first exit strategy flip, 
I look for a retail sale. I want that property to sparkle and some young family to come in and say, oh, this is where we want to raise our kids, lock it up under contract. Again, this is worst case scenario. I've taken over the property. When it comes to the rental side of it, I want to lower that down a little bit because I want a fast sale to a real estate investor. And I'm not going to have those retail buyers out there who may take asking to knock five or $10,000 off the price so they can get into it. That pool is not going to necessarily be around the sale of a rental property. So other landlords, other investors are, are most likely your best bet. And that's why I value them slightly differently. And I always put rent, uh, rentals at a lower loan to value just to have a little more wiggle room in case I have to do a quick sale. That's going to do it for this episode of the Private Lender Podcast. I'd like to thank you for sharing your time with me today. And I want to remind you guys that you don't need money to be a lender. You can lend time, you can lend patience, and you can lend support. And speaking of support, please go to the privatelenderpodcast.com slash sponsors and look for the Texas 100. Mitch Stevens, who was interviewed on episode six of this podcast, has put together basically a an organization to help promote the rights and interests of real estate investors, private lenders, and people who do owner financing at the state and federal level. So please go check it out at texas100.org. That's texas100.org. Thanks for listening. I'll see you guys next week. And I wish you happy and prosperous private lending. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Private Lender Podcast with your host, Keith Baker. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit privatelenderpodcast.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time.